everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Made for TV Mayhem Show. We got together before we do our next big episode, which is going to be dedicated to Shannon Doherty, because a lot's going on in the world, and it's been really hard to concentrate on anything, and also because I think we all just want to have a lot of fun, and so we decided that we would bring back the TV movie game. So I don't know how familiar everybody is here with that, but let me explain it to you real quick, and then we'll talk to my co-hosts, uh, which I'm so happy to have both of them here tonight. Um, so the TV movie game is just a thing we I guess we did it a lot at the beginning. I haven't done it in a little while. We maybe did it in the last Christmas episode with Joanna. Uh, so what we do is I pick some movie titles, um, they generally tend to be semi-generic. Sometimes they aren't. And I let Dan and Nate let their creative wheel spin. And they try to tell me what they think the TV movie is about. They cast it. Sometimes they give it directors. They tell me the story. And often we decide which movie we'd like to see best after I tell them what the movie was really about. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. And I hope everybody here enjoys it. We're going to keep things really upbeat here. So no talk of anything that's going on in the world. None of the TV movies will be about real life, I hope. Um, otherwise, uh, it's the sky's the limit. So let me introduce you to my co-host. Hey, Dan, what's up? Not much. I'm I'm ready to play the um the fun game, the movie game. We did play it at Christmas time. We had a great time. I remember Nate won it with um, I forget something something romantic. There was oh. a romantic TV movie that he won uh, the day with. It was a red rose. Yes. It was a red rose, and Mary Tyler was like a ghost or something. And oh yes, else. yes, it was like the haunted <laughs> yes. thing too. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. good. So yeah, because I want to see that movie so bad. Yes, yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh, diving in and and coming up with some more. Yeah, I can't wait because yours are always really good. And I'm also here. Finally, we have Nate back. Hey, Nate, yeah. what's up? Oh, not much. I am just. Hanging out and ready to play this game. Oh, and I also, Wes had a great idea that I wanted to pitch to you both. Okay. Um, because I told him, you know, how we played this movie game. And he was saying, um, what if you did a few where Amanda gave, like, the synopsis and me and Dan oh. would title it? Like, that what sounds we think really fun. Should be. Yeah. That would be that. like a bonus round. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, oh, that's man, I wish I thought of that. Well, do you have your book standing by? Maybe you can... Yeah, yeah. I'll look up. A, I'll try to think of a couple titles off the top of my head um, to give you synopsis of. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that, that will, hopefully that'll be our bonus round. Yeah. But don't. Okay. I was going to say. Wes is a keeper. I was. Uh, don't choose for like the first one. You do do something like uh, uh, there's been a murder in Peyton Place or something like that, and the characters. Because <laughs> I think I already know what that one's called. So so some of them. You might. You might. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a dead giveaway. So I, I wasn't going to talk too much about the pandemic, but I just want everybody to know that I started it so that I could get Nate stuck at home so he'd come back and do the show because I missed him that much. <laughs> oh. Hey, and now like I'm, I'm here. I'm available. <laughs> well, I hope you're flattered, Nate. Because I'm very that, flattered. <laughs> that took a lot of work. So, okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Here's my first title. I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with. This is actually a semi-famous movie, but I think it's only semi-famous to me. Um, so I don't think you guys will have heard of it before or have any idea what it's about. It is called The Secret Life of John Chapman. And why don't we go ahead and start with Nate? Okay, let's see here. The Secret Life of John Chapman. Okay, so I'm thinking John Chapman is um, 
like uh, the husband in this relationship. I'm going to go with my favorite um, made for TV uh, actor, which is Robert Urich. Um, <laughs> I guess he has to make an appearance in every one of these. So Robert Urich is um, the title character and he's married to Linda Pearl and um, they have two kids. And one day uh, Linda Pearl is like having tea on the veranda when uh, there's a knock at the door and she goes to answer it and standing on the other side is Patty Duke and she is his wife as well. And he has a whole other family. I love and it. And the two women uh, team up to teach him a lesson. And at the end, um, they, um, you know, have, have to end up taking him for all he's got. But all's not lost for Robert Urich in the end. Um, there is a glimmer of hope somehow in this topsy turvy time of uh, having multiple wives. <laughs> you know, so it's funny that you say that, and I don't mean to, to kind of take it off the game, but there's two movies that I thought of. So, so since we're here, I'm going to go ahead and recommend some movies. Mm. Um, so you, you've you given a plot synopsis to actually two films that I can think of off the top of my head that are really good. One's called Double Standard with Robert Foxworth, or as I like to call him, Robert Foxyworth. Mm-hmm. And it's both of these are based on true stories. One is a true story about a guy who was married, and I think he had a number of kids. And then like literally like within a 10-mile radius, he had a second wife. And she knew about the first wife. Mm. And they had kids, too. I'm doing this off the top of my head because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. And I think he's running around back and forth so much that he actually has a heart attack and dies. And that's how the two families discover that they exist. And um, it's really good. It's called Double Standard. And there's another movie that you may have seen, Nate, with Jack Wagner called Frequent Flyer. Do you remember that? With um, Nicole Egger and Shelley Hack and um, maybe Joan Severance. It's, It's a true story about a pilot who was married to three or four different women. And he has them in different places where his planes dock, right? Oh. And... And one of the wives finds out about the other wives and kind of blows it out of the water. And they made it into this really fabulous sort of comedy that um, that Jack Wagner's in. It's great. It's called Frequent Flyer. So when you said that, you're thinking, you're saying, and I'm like, these are actually real TV movies. No one's Robert York, though. But um, uh, Dan, what, you, what do you think The Secret Life of John Chapman's about? Well, I, I think uh, Nate's uh, plot line and what you just said took away about ninety percent of what I, I was thinking of. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna cover with something right now, and that is I think we're gonna set it around like nineteen ten or nineteen twenty, um, I think. And uh, Claude Aikens is uh, John Chapman, world famous balloonist. So he's a guy who goes up in balloons and he does stunts in balloons. Don't ask. They'll, they'll, they'll figure out what to do. But he does all kinds of crazy stuff in balloons. And Desi Arnaz Jr., uh, because I was watching Auto Man the other day, oh. and he was in that. Desi Arnaz Jr. plays a young reporter trying to make his name. And he's, he's trying to do an article on uh, uh, Chapman. But Chapman is very, um, I think, recalcitrant is the word I'm looking for. Even, even though um, he's got like... Um, uh, groupies, sort of like a balloonist groupies. I think Linda Pearl is maybe one of them. And, <laughs> and he, of course, he he's very focused on his ballooning. Apart from when no one can find him, and he always says he's off and he's got like a special, but his own Kitty Hawk sort of, where he's working on the balloons. But the big twist is that, uh, and this is this is pretty exciting. This would be like um, 
uh, I don't know if it would be a, an, a, an hour into the movie, two, uh, an hour and a half. I don't even know if it's like a four-hour movie and this is the end of the first part. But you discover that Claude Aiken's character, John Chapman, is actually in his, well, not in his spare time. His secret life is he's an actuary. The world's first actuary. Now, actuaries are accountants who figure out when you're going to die and recommend life insurance for you. And he is the very first one. Now, no one called them actuaries. I don't know what they call balloonchuary. I don't know what they. I just made that stupid. But but he, he <laughs> so, so he's this world famous like um uh, for some reason I'm seeing like Tom Selleck in High Road to China is what he looks like except he's Claude Aikens. And um, so he does these balloon things, and he's this beloved around-the-world guy. But in his spare time, he's in this little garage with his little calculator, and he's figuring everything out. Maybe he's got an abacus that he uses. Maybe that's, like, the first clue when Dave Ernest Jr. figures Like, like he gets off, um, John Chapman is late arriving at, like, a balloon stunt, and Desi Arnaz bumps into him, and, like, you know, those little abacus things, the little round things that you push around? He's got, like, some in his pocket, and they fall out. And he, like, picks him up and goes, what is, what is this? And he puts him in his And no one knows what it is until later on. Someone maybe says, oh, those look like bits from an abacus. Abacusus. Abacusus. What's the, what's the plural of ab, ab, abacu, abacus? Abacai? <laughs> no. But, but, but it's... So abacus, it's abacuses. Abacuses. So, so it's something sort of like that, where you get this really famous daredevil guy who really just wants to do accounting. But somewhere along the way, he's become so good at doing these crazy things on the balloon, he can't follow his heart, which takes him to um, accounting. So that's, that's the basics to it. Oh, Desi Arnaz uh, Jr. ends up with Linda Pearl in the end. And Claude Akins is maybe seen sure. floating off into the sunset in a balloon. And you can hear a calculator going as he's floating away. So that's a miniseries, huh? That's four hours? That could be. That could be eight hours. It could be like America. It could be 13 and a half hours. I truly don't know. But it's, it's going to be I think big. it might work better as a 75-minute film. I think so, yeah. I think so. Something really sharp. Uh, John Llewellyn <laughs> Moxie. John Llewellyn Moxie could direct it. A lot of fun ballooning. There's a movie there. Yeah, it's not could, a four-hour movie. Yes, he he could direct <laughs> the he could direct the uh, um, accounting scenes the exact same way he directs the balloon sequences. Like the camera could float over the top of the desk and could zoom in on the calculator or something. When the abacus is going, it, you know the bits could be flying by, and then all of a sudden they start to go in slow motion. You know. Whoosh, 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 you know, it's, it's crazy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I might actually see that. Um, and uh, just to go back to Nate's thing real quick, the other thing I meant to say was how come how come Robert Urich and Linda Pearl never had children? Because that would have been amazing. Um, and how come Claude Aikens and Linda Pearl didn't have children? Because that might have been amazing, too. That might have been, yeah. How come, how come the Linda Pearl and the Fonz didn't stay together in Happy Days? Yeah, that was a heartbreaker. It was. It was. I still, I'm still not over it. Um, you know what? In a way, both of your leading men are very close, and I'll tell you why, mm. um, to the leading man in The Secret Life of John Chapman. So this is a movie I've always wanted to see. I never have, but I have advertisements in my TV guides that are really captivating for it. And I actually had no idea what the movie was about until I chose it for this game. It's, it's uh, not quite as intriguing as a balloonist actuary. It's not even quite as intriguing as a polygamist but it is the true story of john chapman a college president who took a sabbatical went out and got a job as a general laborer to try to experience life outside his well-ordered but insulated college environment so drama 
It uh, aired on CBS on December 27th, 1976, because I think it probably had a Christmas to it. Um, it starred Ralph Waite and Susan Onslaught. And the reason why I say you both kind of got it is because Ralph Waite, well, first of all, I guess because you said it in 1910, and Ralph Waite is famous for playing the Walton patriarch, right? Oh, and yes, that's yeah. not 1910, but that's the 30s. Mm-hmm. And also, I can see Claude Akins and Ralph making a buddy cop movie together, so I can see like the similarities to the two. But I also think Waite's like extremely sexy, so I see the Robert Urich in him as well. So you guys actually got the right leading men to me, mm. you know what I mean, in different ways. I don't know that much about Susan Onspock, but she's blonde, so the Linda Pearl thing works. Um, it was directed by David Lowell Rich, who also did Saint School for Girls. So if you want an interesting double, you could probably watch The Secret Life of Don- John Chapman and Saint School for Girls, and it might be interesting. Might be. I'm not sure. Um, and it was written by somebody named Albert. I'm sorry. It was written by Albert Rubin, but it was based on a book by George R. Coleman. Um, so that is The Secret Life of John Chapman. I don't know if anybody out there seen it. I think it was a pretty big movie when it came out. I don't think Ralph Waite did a lot of TV movies. I'm not positive. Um, and I'm kicking myself for not having seen it because I really love him. But um, maybe somebody out there knows of it and they can tell us about it. So I'm going to start on the second one. Mm. It is called Killer Instinct. Dan? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to use um, uh, Patty Duke or Linda Pearl. Let me um, let me think. Oh, um, how, about, how about Linda Carter is in this? Um, and... Okay. Mm, Let's see. Uh, Linda Carter is. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, Linda Carter is. Uh, oh no, 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 no. That's suddenly that's my my thought. I just had was too close to the Secret Life kind of thing. Um, because I see Linda Carter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be. My, my my initial thought was she seems to be. Well, this is the long, that's the long kiss goodnight. Um, because I want Linda Carter to be um, uh, some sort of um. Uh, secret agent. That's what I see in my mind. Linda Carter, secret agent. Maybe. Um, uh, oh, and we could do a little little um, uh, switcheroo with like a James Bond kind of thing. Um, where okay, let's do this. So Ooh. Betty Betty Davis. I know she's. What, what movies is that? Is she in with? She's the crazy. Um, uh, is it Madame X? Oh, Scream, Pretty Peggy. Oh, Mad Madame X. Yeah. Because I was going to say I want someone like Betty yeah. Davis. But oh, how about um, what's uh, Mildred Natwick? One of the Snoop sisters is um, some sort of uh, Blofeld esque um, uh, evil person or other who is infiltrating the halls of Washington with. Uh, this is mixing up about 10 different movies with robotic uh, middlemen who are going to kind of ruin. <laughs> Ruin the a, a kind of you know you, you know with bureaucracy has to go like A to Z kind of thing. They're like in there in like G or H, and they're always screwing things up, and things are beginning to go wrong. And um, her boss, uh, Linda Carter's boss, who will be played by um, I don't know why am I thinking Lauren Green. I'm going to make it Lauren Green, um, and uh, calls um, uh, her into service uh, to it's it's one of those things where it starts off and she's just taken a vacation. And then he calls her up and says, you have to figure out what's going on in the halls of Washington, D.C. And she's like, but boss, I just started my vacation. No, you have to do this. And what ends up happening is she she goes um, starts to do this. And as she's investigating what's going on, she meets a young man, uh, uh, Mr. Parker, um, played by Nicholas Hammond. And it's uh, as, as she begins to... Um, 
he's kind of a strange guy who kind of crops up every once in a while and seems to know extra bits of information that maybe he shouldn't. And it turns out that... Um, now, she, of course, is licensed to kill. That, that's part of the killer instinct. But the other part of the killer instinct is that apparently this Mr. Parker is some sort of superhero. Now, it ain't going to be revealed until later who this Nicholas Hammond superhero might be. But he has a very special yeah, yeah, instinct. Yeah. And, and so what happens is um, uh, Mildred Natwick is, is uh, infiltrating um, maybe, maybe eventually the whole world and just to disrupt everything. And everything's being disrupted. And she sends out all kinds of different varied assassins, a la like Dick Tracy villains and things like that. And, yeah, Linda Carter, who's the spy. I haven't given her a name yet. But that's a We'll just call her Linda with a Y. And... and um, and she teams up with this guy who may or may not be some sort of superhero, and they have to save the world from Mildred Natwick's android middlemen. Wow. You know, I don't want to add to your story, but I think it'd be really great if she's on vacation mm-hmm. and she gets a call from Lauren Green. And he's like, he's like, you have to leave your vacation and, and, and help us with this uh, crazy lady who's take, trying to take over the world, this evil mad scientist or whatever. And she's like, but I'm on vacation. And then Lauren Green's like, she just killed Bob, and we find out Bob was like this guy that she'd been engaged to at some point. Oh yeah, you know what oh, I mean. So it's maybe personal. that's maybe, maybe yeah. that's the, the maybe the opening sequence is like you see a guy get killed, yeah. and that's Bob, that's Bob, sort of like the the clown getting killed at the beginning of Octopussy that you learn was a friend of James Bond later on, kind of thing. That would work. And then when the movie's all over, she goes on vac- like the end of Double Agent seventy three. You see her on vacation again. And right at the point where she's beginning to relax, her phone rings, and she looks over at her phone. Then she looks at the camera, puts a hand on her hip, shakes her head, freeze frame, end of movie. Oh, my gosh. I would see that so many times. Please make that movie for me. (laughs) I don't know how we're going to do it without Mildred Natwick, but we'll figure it out. Um, out. (laughs) Nate, Killer Instinct, what do you think it's about? Okay. It's going to be hard to follow that one. Um, but I'm thinking that Killer Instinct is about uh, Joyce DeWitt. Oh, it's always course. Joyce DeWitt with you. Yes. you love- I, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> um, so it's Joyce DeWitt, and she's kind of this mousy reporter in this small town, and you know, not much goes on, and she's on the verge of actually losing her job when um, a serial killer pops up well i mean it starts with you know one murder and it keeps building and um donna mills starts to begin to suspect that her ex robert wagner might be the serial killer that's like hacking up all these people in the town and you know joyce dewitt like joins her and the two together try to investigate and figure out you know if he is or is not this killer because all these signs seem to point to him and and things like that. So they they team up, sort of like Cagney and Lacey, um, and you know investigate all of it. And they finally do find evidence, and Robert Wagner is arrested and and you know taken away and and tried and convicted. Donna Mills, um, you know, is very thankful for that, and you know she um, and Joyce DeWitt go back to her place. And that's where Donna Mills finds this ceremonial dagger that's been used to kill all the people. And it turns out Joyce DeWitt didn't want to get fired from her reporter job. So she had to have that killer instinct. Mm. And then Donna Mills is in shock and she drops like her glass of wine in slow motion. And then she looks up and Joyce DeWitt's looking at her like, you know, very like, uh, evil. And she's just like, I guess I had that killer instinct after all. (laughs) 
and then she turns out the lights. Ooh. Nice. Okay, here's the thing. When you say she turns around with an evil look, I actually had an image of Joyce DeWitt with an evil look, and I need to see that in real life. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And this one is preferable to the other Joyce DeWitt one because in that one you had her killed by an alligator, and I've never been able to forgive you for that. Oh, in this one, she's the killer. Mm. I think so. I love it. I love it. I would watch that so many times. In fact, I think I have watched it so many times in my head, dreaming it would be real. Mm-hmm. You know what? I even picture a scene in the beginning. Let's say Donna Mills is her boss at this newspaper company. Oh. And Donna Mills telling her, like, I'm sorry, but we are going to have to let you go. You just don't have that killer instinct you need as a reporter. And then that what makes the ending line that much more chilling. Yes. That's right. Nice. You know what? And it's actually kind of a metaphor for how we push these people in their jobs, right? So, like, yep. you're actually talking about, like, things that people can relate to, you know, in, like, a metaphorical sense. So your movie has, like, all these layers. Mm-hmm. Like, I could write a paper on it. I love them both. I, do, I couldn't pick one over the other. But I do think that maybe this movie sounds like something we'd all want to see. I just came across this movie yesterday. I'd never heard of it, and I couldn't believe I'd never heard of it, because it came out in um, 1988, and it starred Woody Harrelson, which shocked me. I didn't know he starred in the I know he's in Bay Cove, but he doesn't star in it, you know? I didn't really know he starred in TV movies. So he stars in the story of a psychiatrist um, named Lisa DeVito, played by Melissa Gilbert, and her battle to save a tortured man whose past has turned him to violence. One tragic incident seals his fate and shakes Lisa's faith in her profession. Mm. So it's more of like a drama, and I don't know what happened to him to make him that way. But um, but I kind of I really want to see it because I really like Woody Harrelson, and I, the idea of him starring in a TV movie is really intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. But all both of those sound really good. I couldn't pick one because they're both their own film. The one that you did, Dan, reminds me of so many things I saw in the seventies. Like there's a movie called Cover <laughs> Girls. You know what I'm talking about? About those two models. Yes. That well, they're not models. They're like espionage agents, mm-hmm. and then they pose as models. And and uh, what's her name? Ellen Travolta is their photographer. Mm-hmm. And they go around and they like solve crime and stuff. And then there's another one that uh, that pilot movie, Ebony, Ivory, and Jade, also oh, John yes. Moxie film with yeah, Burt, yeah. with Burt Convy and Martha yes. Smith. And um, oh my God, why can't I remember the woman's name? She's famous. She's Felicia Rashad. Debbie Allen is the other girl, and they are nightclub singers. But there actually is a cover so that they go to intrigue, and that's yes. kind of how I picture Linda Carter in this. Um, and I love that you hooked her up with another superhero. Mm-hmm. Playing a superhero, who yeah, right? who may so, like, who may or may not be a superhero. It's kind of um, kind of like you know, Smallville took forever to um, bring Superman out, kind of thing. Did uh, you know Clark Kent into super kind of? It, it would sort of be like that, where yeah. he, the Nicholas Hammond character would occasionally do something, where she'd be like, "How did you get up this this to the twentieth floor?" And, you know, I didn't even see you at the front door. You know, how did you get up here so fast? Um, I can't tell you that. And is that webbing in your hair? Uh, No. (laughs) Something like that. So have you guys both seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. No, I have not. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, because you know Nicholas Hammond's in it. Is he? Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to see it then. Who does he play? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, he plays the director of the TV show that uh, that um, Leonardo DiCaprio's on. You won't recognize him at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to look, look at the credits to to figure out who he was. But anyway, um, if you love Nicholas Hamlin, and I know you do, and he was on an episode of Magnum, so therefore he's always in my heart. 
then, uh, you know, check out Dan's movie. So this movie that Woody Harrelson made, it aired on NBC November 22nd, 1988. And that makes sense because he would have been on Cheers at the time. They were probably trying to exploit his popularity because Woody on Cheers was, like, phenomenally... Like, I don't think they thought anybody could replace Coach. Mm-hmm. And then they brought on somebody who didn't replace Coach but was, like, a great, like, sort of bridge from Coach. And um and was really well loved before he became this huge famous actor he is now. It was directed by Warris Hussein and written oh, by wow. Conrad Bromberg. Yeah, I was looking up Warris Hussein and um he started out in England. I think he was born in India, but he yes. um he did all these interesting like anthology shows in England and stuff, which I thought was really interesting before he came over here and did a bunch of T V movies. And and he, he directed the first episode of Doctor Who back in nineteen sixty three. Oh. I didn't yeah. know that. That's interesting. Yeah, he- he did the, the the first serial, Doctor Who serial, uh, An Unearthly Child, which aired November, December of 1963. He's there. There's a um, there is a TV movie that came out at Doctor Who's 50th anniversary called An Adventure in Space and Time or Time and Space that is about the creation of the show. And there's uh, his he he's not in it, but there's an actor playing him in it. That's cool. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that. What a neat piece of trivia. So I have you here, Dan. Yay. <laughs> and to mention Mildred Network. Yeah. And our next one, I don't want to give anything away, but if you guys don't talk about the world's most famous steakhouse, I could give you this title, I'm going to be really upset. So this is called Sizzle. <laughs> Nate? Uh, sizzle. Okay. All right. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> that um, Sizzle is a uh, restaurant. And like... <laughs> Shelly Winters goes to get a job there, but then she discovers that all the women that work there are young and big-breasted. Like, um, you know, the, there's Morgan Fairchild in there, and uh, <laughs> Dolly Parton is in there working. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, Shelly Winters, like, applies for the job. Well, John Forsyth, who runs Sizzler, says no, like, absolutely not. So she files a class-action lawsuit with her lawyer, Ed Asner. Uh, and they go against Sizzle, and you know it's um one of those don't discriminate kind of movies. <laughs> she wins her case, and at the end, she's standing right alongside Morgan Fairchild and Dolly Parton in her Sizzle outfit, proudly nice. smiling. <laughs> nice. I really want to see that movie like on so many levels. Like I really want to see it, <laughs> especially. If- because I don't think Shelly Winters isn't big-breasted. It's just that she's also just plump. So I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, is that a bad thing? Mm. And and then I was like, is this really a comment on Hooters? Because mm. I'm feeling a Hooters vibe. Oh, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about that when I was coming up with the idea. I was thinking <laughs> about those, you know, those like Gaslight Girls and all those like 70s sex comedies. Yeah, I was thinking that it starts out kind of like that, but then it morphs into this like you can't discriminate battle as well. Mm-hmm. So the, nice. there's a place in Philly called the Gaslight, and it's a strip club, and it's all nude. And I don't know if it's still there, but whenever the girl is completely naked, the little gaslight goes off at the front. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I only know this because I dated a guy from Philly who used to frequent it, and um, and it makes me laugh. Because we drove by it a couple times, and he would just tell me. So whenever I see a gaslight or I hear the word, I can't help but laugh, because I always think there's a naked person behind it. So, <laughs> okay, that's my that's my Amanda confess us for the day. Yay. Okay, Dan, 
Can, can you tell oh, me what you think sizzle is about? And by the I, way, Nate got something right, but I didn't want to say what. I I so so sizzle. It's it, it starts off for the first half hour or so because this is another four hour long one. I'm kidding. Um, for the first um uh, chunk of it, <laughs> it starts off just like sort of a regular um kind of uh slice of life kind of thing. Uh, Elizabeth Montgomery plays a um a librarian, and Clint Walker is her boyfriend. He's a longshoreman. And oh, so, you know, oh they're, they're, they always have stuff to talk about. And then one day, um, uh, uh, David Jansen, uh, David Jansen uh, wearing like little spectacles that, that make him look like he's a really smart guy. Not that he wasn't a really smart guy, but you know, smart. normally David Jansen, he comes in and he, yeah, but, but he comes in and he, he, he comes in the library and he takes out a bunch of very scientific books and um, she kind of. Elizabeth Montgomery's character, we'll call her um, uh, Jennifer. Um, uh, Jennifer Jen starts up a relationship with this this guy who won't give his name, but it's on the library card. So it's um, that's kind of strange. He's a little strange. Um, He's he might be doctor something or other. I'm not sure. Clint Walker's character is probably named Clint Walker. Yeah. Um, and uh, she kind of, she kind of strikes up a little relationship with this strange man who may or may not be a doctor who's always um, uh, uh, taking out these scientific books. And um, at, at one point, she kind of uh, is uh, I, I don't know may, maybe she's in bed with Clint Walker and she actually yells out the doctor's name or something like that when they're fl- I don't know something like that, but something happens where Dr. Clint Walker says, like, "Who's this guy?" And he's he, Doctor Jansen. Oh, and yes, yes, we never learned his first name. And what what happens is, as the movie goes along, Clint begins to investigate this guy. You know, like who is this guy? You know, he becomes jealous. He he thinks maybe there's something going on there, and it's intimated that maybe something is beginning to happen. But what begins to happen that takes precedence over that is that the temperature on the earth suddenly begins to rise rather rapidly. And suddenly scientists realize that somehow someone is moving the earth closer to the sun. And so everyone's beginning to get a little hot. Everyone's beginning to sizzle. And we, it may or may not have something to do with this strange little doctor who Elizabeth Montgomery may or may not be having an affair with over Clint Walker, who's been taking out all these scientific books. Now, I don't want to give away the ending, but it's basically what looks like um, a slice of life becomes a love triangle, becomes this huge sci-fi, the earth is going to plummet into the sun unless we can find David Jansen, who might be doing this for some reason. Oh, and he's an alien. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, you know what? That is a four-hour movie. It could be. Yeah, I need it, it to be. be because it has to, it has to feel like it's one sort of movie, and then suddenly, um, just like like maybe one day it's like, whew, yeah, it's a heat wave or something like that, and and then suddenly it's like, wow, it's even hotter today. You know, it, it has to kind of build slowly, and, and to suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, where you know it's like everyone wakes up and like the sun is like two miles away or something like that. Like, holy crap. No, not that close. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it starts off as a romance that becomes a sci-fi that becomes a crazy disaster film. And again, David Jansen plays an alien. Well, TV movies don't often uh, get labeled genre defying, but I think you did it, Dan. 
And I applaud you. And <laughs> and also, did you know that, well, that David Jansen actually had a, a genius IQ in real life? I would have guessed that. He seems like the sort. Supposedly he was a genius. See, there you go. Yes. There you go. He doesn't just need this. Yeah. He doesn't need the spectacles. And and the idea of Clint Walker and Elizabeth Montgomery is really intriguing to me because he was like six foot seven, and I don't know that he ever had a love interest because it would be so awkward. Oh. So like when you said they're in bed together, that Maybe was like so bizarre. <laughs> yes. When, when they do that thing where whenever the two of them are talking, they're always like the same height. <laughs> But then maybe then when they're like a distance away, it's clear that he's like a foot taller than she is yeah. or more or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how tall really she was. Uh, I don't think she was. She doesn't seem very big to me, but I don't really know, actually. So Sizzle actually sounds really good, and I can't believe I haven't seen it. It aired on ABC on November 29, 1981. It is an elaborate drama set in Prohibition-era Chicago where John Forsythe from Nate's film played a cold-hearted gangster who succumbs to the innocent charms and curvaceous body of a small-town girl played by Lonnie Anderson. The rest of the cast includes Leslie Uggams, Roy Thinnes, Richard Lynch, and Phyllis Davis from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And also from the Knight Rider pilot, she is the one who blows off Michael Knight's face. And that's why he has to get the face of David Hasselhoff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to see Lonnie Anderson in this role. In this movie that I just gave you the description of? Yeah, or I want in, to see her in that. She would also fit in your restaurant movie, to be honest. Yes, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I love that you have Dolly Parton in it, because she doesn't make that many TV movies, but she is in um, she's in a couple. Bluebird Songbook, I think, is one of them. She also did Smoky Mountain Christmas with Lee yeah. Majors and John Ritter, which I love. Um, but this was, an Aaron, oh, sure, yeah. this was an Aaron Spelling production, because, of course, it was directed by Don Medford, and it was written by Richard Carr and Clyde Weir. And it sounds amazing, and there's actually a promo for it on YouTube, but I couldn't find the movie. Um, it's a, it's moved very high up on my must-see list. It looks really good. Um, and then for the fourth one, I thought I'd give you the most generic title you've ever heard of. I will go ahead and start with Dan wow, on this okay. one. He is called The Secret, Dan. Okay. Um, gosh, this is... So, Claude Akins plays a balloonist. I'm kidding. Um, give me a second. Here's here's what I'd like to do, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just um, I was watching some BJ and the Bear recently, and I want this movie to star, and I don't know yet what exactly they're doing. I want it to star Kimberly Beck and Janet Julian from Humongous, yeah. uh, who was also oh, a yeah. regular on BJ and the Bear for a time, and Kim- Kimberly Beck was on an early episode of the show with her called Shine On. And I want, you, you know, here's what I, uh, no, because I had, I had a, okay, no. He, mm, <laughs> the inner workings yeah. of Dan's so, mind coming out <laughs> is really scaring me. I, no, see, because my, my first thought was it has something to do with an airplane, but then I thought I used balloonist already. Then I thought um, maybe they're, you know, maybe Janet Julian and Kimberly Beck are um, just like two average gals who go into a building like a Maxwell Smart kind of thing and then go deep underground and they run some sort of huge underground something or other. But then I thought I wanted David Jansen's character to have an underground thing in the last one. So I'm trying to think where I would put them because I see them as maybe like going on a road trip Mm. and like – they like it's it, it could be one of those things where they like they they steal something or I, I don't want to make it too Thelma and Louise well I, I guess you can't 
really not two two women sort of going on a road trip and you're going to think Thelma and Louise, I guess. But I, I just I like the idea that they're just two. Maybe they're just going on a regular road trip. Maybe they're going on that shit like they're driving across the country and they're trying to find the secret of America. No, that's stupid. Um, let, give me a second. Um, they're, so they're, so okay. So these these two gals, these these two oh, so gals, I and one. I want to put them. They, <laughs> there's two it's it's literally there's too many things because in my mind i see the two of them like they're going on on a big road trip somewhere and they're driving across america and they get involved in a lot of adventures and somewhere along the way something happens i i want to say they wind up with a suitcase that they can't open or something like that um but that's was that kiss me deadly they're aliens that's the secret no that's <laughs> dumb too i'm really having a tough time Nailing down what? Because in my mind, I see the two of them going on a road trip, driving cross country, just having a lot of fun, shooting the breeze. Maybe meeting up with a good-looking trucker and a chimp. Uh, maybe um, winding up like um, on a small island where there's a crazy guy out to kill them or something like that. Getting in all sorts of ad- adventures. Yeah. And and maybe like a, I mean, it could. Okay, how about this? They're two young women who are very dissatisfied with the lives they're living. And they see that other people seem to be happy and other people seem to be enjoying themselves. And they want to know, they they don't specifically, maybe they don't call it the secret. Maybe that's how they refer to it. One of them says something like, "What? Uh, how are these people so excited about life? How are these people so happy? We've got these jobs we're doing and it's dragging us down. There must be some secret we don't know. Mm. So let's leave our life and go explore. And at that point, I mean, it could almost be the... Um, like a, a Route 66, but with or moving on, but uh, with two women getting a series. You know, it could be the pilot, like the 90-minute pilot for something, where they take off and they get involved with something or other, and, um, meet some people, and okay, that's what I'm going to call it. It's it is the it, whether or not it went to series, I cannot say. But the secret is they're driving all around the country, meeting people, getting involved in. You know, slasher films and trucker films and every genre you can think of. Maybe they even, maybe they get teleported onto a spaceship. They they meet mole people underground. Something. It it's just it gets it's all sorts of facets, and they're trying to find the secret to sort of a happiness and the secret to um, what makes a good life. And if it involves fighting mole people or having a crazy guy trying to kill you on dog island so be it so be it like, i think i think that's i think that's it it ha it has to be the proposed pilot for a series that may or may not have got made yeah you know it actually makes me think of then came bronson because you were talking about like sure. how they're yeah. like we're gonna leave these monkey suits in our corporate nine-to-five jobs and we're gonna find the secret because that's kind of yes. what he does right so like so like mm-hmm. they're they're abandoning like the quote-unquote normal world or culture of what you're supposed to do yes. at that age. And they've yeah. decided to just, like, throw caution to the wind and go out and meet different people. So it's got, like, a Lucan vibe to it as well, right? Yes. And and they're, and they're very sort of – I I see them sort of being at the time, that time period, like, early 80s kind of gals doing this. Not quite like a Albert Brooks Lost in America kind of thing, but but sort of – uh, sort of that sort of thing. with and, and maybe there's even an episode where they get involved with like a carnival or a medicine show or something. And there's a guy selling bottles of the secret or something like that. The secret potion, you know, and I don't, I don't know. 
maybe, maybe that could be in the um in the like the 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 commercial for it. There could be we're looking for the secret, the secret to to life and to happiness. And then it ends with like a guy holding up a little um bottle that says the secret on it and waving it in front of the camera or something like that. I would totally watch it, and it would be on Adventure Super Train because it would only be three episodes. Yeah, unfortunately, thirteen or less. Yeah, so. it would go to series, I think, but I don't think it would last. Yes. But I see it in my head, and it would be, it would totally mm-hmm. fit in the early '80s. That whole weird, like, yes. kind of those weird shows that they had that didn't last very long. Like it's like Master Ninja. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, it's like the master just driving around instead of except instead of looking for Lee Van Cleef's long lost daughter, they are looking for the secret to life. Yeah, I mean they oh. could actually air back back together. Mm-hmm. I'd watch. Maybe they meet a Van Patten in one of them. That would it's, be great. A crossover, a crossover, and then it would come out on Blu-ray through Kino Lorber, and it would be amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I totally I'd watch I love it. it. Now I'd watch it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so Nate, what do you think the secret is? Um, I'm thinking the secret is um, this uh, character uh, played by Christopher George um, is is killed, and yes, he. Um, they invite uh, all these people that were in his life to the reading of his will. So there would be, uh, I'm picturing Lois Nettleton, Shelley Hack, Sally and, Struthers, and Valerie and, Harper. And, and in walks B. Arthur. <laughs> she is also oh part God. of this. So the five of them are locked in a gothic mansion for the weekend for hearing the reading of his will. But there is like a lot of crazy, strange things going on at night. And somebody starts to slowly kill them off one by one in a very like 10 little Indians kind of way. Or home for the holidays. Home for the holidays. Yes. (laughs) Um, And at the very end, Valerie Harper discovers that B. Arthur is the killer. And then she's been murdering them all because Christopher George was her brother. And she did not appreciate uh, the way they all used him for his money and his looks. And, of course, his looks, yes. (laughs) So she felt they were all just using him, so she kills them all off one by one, only at the very end to discover that she killed him because she has a split personality. Is is it possible that we could have flash, flashbacks of the women with Christopher George, particularly B. Arthur, because to see B. Arthur and Christopher George in the same room together would bring me so much pleasure? Oh, yes. I would have her. When she gives her motive at the end, we would see all the flashbacks to when, you know, um, she and him were, uh, you know, like hanging out as brother and sister. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I, I would see that movie so many times. It would be an ABC movie of the week. Yeah. Even yes. though one of the actors you named, Shelley Hack, wouldn't have been acting at that point. But they would have found her. It would have been her first TV yeah, movie. Yeah, it would have been a breakout role. Yeah, it would have. Mm-hmm. And she'd be the mm-hmm. youngest one. And they would each have a different motive and approach for getting into Christopher George's good graces. And we'd see these little flashback scenes. The one with Valerie Harper would be off the cuff. And it would be so fucking amazing. So, like, how, house, on, house on Green Apple Road kind of structure or a bit? Or? Uh, I mean, I'm picturing more of, like, a more... Not quite. That's a really sensitive film. You know what I mean? Like this movie's not sensitive at all. It's like no. there's a there's actually a movie no. um, streaming on Amazon. If anybody <laughs> wants to see it, called The Secret of Three Hungry Wives, I believe, with Jessica Walter, Eve Plum, 
oh, and who are the other girls? And James Franciscus. And James Franciscus is this really horrible guy who, like, figures out what the weak spot is of all these women, and then he, like, seduces them, and then he sort of turns their biggest fear into their worst nightmare in reality. And he ends up dead at the beginning of the film, and so we have to find out, like, because all the three women and Eve Plum is the daughter of Jessica Walter are all sort of suspects. And then you have to, like, backtrack. It's all told in flashbacks, so you backtrack through all the horrible things that James Franciscus did and he's evil. So I'm picturing kind of the opposite of that, where, like, the women are evil, and we're kind of just seeing, like, how they're manipulating Christopher mm. George to get what they want from him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's how, that's how I'm envisioning mm-hmm. it. I mean, if I could have a script rewrite, that's probably... Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why B is killing them. Because <laughs> they're horrible. They felt that they were, like, opportunists. Yes, and if you've ever seen that episode of uh, the, Perry, the Perry Mason reunion movies, the one called The Fatal Fashion, where Valerie Harper is the evil, like, uh, fashionista, I think she runs a fashion magazine or a clothing house or something, and... She's got all, she, she like wears turbans on her head and she's just like really horrible to everybody. And I would love to see her kind of do a role like that where she's like super evil. Um, oh, no. So, yeah, that's how I'm picturing the movie. Oh, I love it. I love it. They're both really good. And I can actually <laughs> legitimately picture them in my head as viable TV movies. Um, this one isn't quite as interesting. The Secret came out on CBS in, on April 19, 1992. It's a, a, about a small town New England denizen played by kirk douglas who finds that he must disclose his own secret life as a dyslexic for the sake of his grandson who's having trouble in school doesn't sound quite as intriguing does it oh no no but it does yeah but it does have bruce boxleitner and he's hot and he was in tron and i like him (laughs) and it was directed by karen arthur who directed the rape of richard beck have you guys seen the rape of richard beck with richard crenna i have no no. Yeah, I just rewatched it. It's really good. Nate, do you remember liking it? Yeah, Richard Crenna is actually really, really good in it, by the yeah, way. He, he does well, an a, excellent job in that yeah, movie. He's, he's a great actor. So I rewatched it like two Sundays ago, and I, I've forgotten how well done it is. Um, and it was written by a, a woman, too, named Cynthia A. Sherback. I'm not too familiar with her filmography. But anyway, I don't know that I would have tuned in to see The Secret in 1992. And no offense to Kirk Douglas, but I don't know if I tuned in in 2020 either. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I like my dramas. It's just, this one's not mm. really captivating. Of these four movies, the, the real movies, the one that sounds the most interesting to me is Sizzle because it's got Lonnie Anderson and Leslie Uggams and Roy oh, yes. It sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's this part of the movie game. Why don't I go ahead and pull up a couple of uh, TV oh, yeah. movies and we can see if you guys can figure out the titles. This originally aired on NBC in 1986. This is uh, the sort of true tale of a Tufts University professor who becomes obsessed with a prostitute and is driven to murder. What is the title of this movie? Nate, what do you think it's called? Um, okay, well, quick question. Do, do you know what the professor's name is in the movie? Yes, I do. It's uh, Williams Douglas. Okay. I'm going to go with something along the lines of prostitution, murder, and madness, the William story. Okay, <laughs> that's actually really that's very nineties. Actually, the William Douglas story. That's yeah, what I was William kind of thinking those. Yeah. Okay, Dan, what do you think it's called? I uh, I can I can only come up with one title: the Professor and the Prostitute. Ooh, that's really good. 
It was actually called The High Price of Passion. Hmm. Oh, not a bad title. Huh. No, and it starred Richard Crenna no, as no, the professor, no. so it must be really good. Okay, let me mm. find another one. Here's one that aired in 1983 on CBS, The Synopsis. A woman whose political reporter husband was murdered before her eyes decides to track down the killer herself while doing legwork on a routine marital infidelity case for a rumpled private investigator who has given her a job. She stumbles on some clues about the shooting and discovers her and her daughter's lives might be in jeopardy. I'll give you some of the cast. It stars Elizabeth Montgomery, Ron Carabatos. I'm not... Oh, um, I don't know if I said that right, and I apologize if I got it wrong. John Riley. And somebody named Luann. So, <laughs> what do you think the name of the movie is, Dan? Huh. Oh, gosh. I My my very first thought was, the detective wears high heels. But I don't... I, I'm going to stick with that. Good. I don't know why. I like it. Nate? Um, love is a cruel shadow with eyes of fire. Oh, that, that was the Italian remake. Nice. That was the Italian oh. remake. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna have jello. jellos on my yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah, that came out two years later, and it starred uh, Fabio Testi, and it was really good. This one is called this one's called Missing Pieces. So your both your titles are are much. Better. I guess we should be more generic. Yeah, yeah I think I think <laughs> I yeah. I can find an elaborate one here. You know, TV movies did have, a lot of TV movies did have generic titles. And there's this one movie, well, I can't remember yeah. what it's called. It's actually streaming on Amazon, and it stars uh, James Brolin and I think Melody Anderson and maybe Pamela Bellwood. And every time I come across it, I was like, oh, this looks really good. And then I realize it's the same movie I've seen 13 times because the title's really generic <laughs> and it just sounds kind of good. And it's not mm-hmm. actually that good of a TV movie, but um, I always think it's going to be. Okay, let's see if you guys can figure this one out, the synopsis. Okay, so it started on NBC in 1980. In this pilot to a prospective series about World War II female uh, female flyers on a covert mission behind enemy lines, Marriott Hartley guest stars as the group's organizer, but apparently did not plan to stay around for the regular series were to occur since she was killed off oh, midway through the movie. That's a spoiler. What do you think the name of this movie is? It's about World War II female <laughs> fighters. Flyers, I'm sorry. Nate? Um, okay, okay. Let me think for a second here. Um... I'm going to call it Fighting Vengeance, the true Ooh. casualty of war. <laughs> I like how yours always have a colon. It's really good. <laughs> it's important. Oh, okay, Dan? Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the theory that um, Marriott Hartley's character, um, her first name is Pearl, mm. and her last name is Harbor, and call it Pearl Harbor and her fighting gals. Flying gals. I'm sorry. Flying gals. Pearl Harbor and her flying gals. That's getting warm. This was called The Secret War of Jackie's Girls. So oh. so we're getting closer. I, I should have told you the cast, too, because the cast is amazing. It's got Lee Purcell and Anne Dusenberry and Dee Wallace. Mm. Just looking. And John Riley again, who was in the last movie I mentioned. Um and those are the names. It's just and, oh, and Ben Murphy. That's why I'd heard of it. That's right. Ben Murphy's in it. So of course I, oh, I can't yes. believe I've seen it. Oh my god. Okay. So let's see if I can find another. We'll do one more because this is kind of fun. Also, a lot of these movies have people's names in them, and I'm trying not to pick the ones with names because there's no way you're going to get it. Although Dan got close with that last one. Uh, here's the synopsis: A police cover-up of the murder of two young women at a wild party and the possible faking of a story by an overzealous young reporter. 
played by Joyce DeWitt. I've made that part up. Seeking instant newspaper stardom is the theme of the suspense drama filmed in Vancouver. What is the name of this movie? Dan? Oh, wow. Um, uh, I'm going to say... Oh, crap. Uh, I, I, my first thought was murder party. But then uh, I, I wanted to add the journalist, so I was going to say shit. Uh, <laughs> That's not the name. Uh, the, the, uh, the reporter and the murder party. Or the party of murder. No, the report, the reporter and the killer. How about that? Okay. No, that was a lot like my first one. <laughs> okay. The killer reporter. <gasps> That's, I'll go okay, with the killer cool. reporter. Nate? Murder under the blue shadows of the moon. Wow. Oh. That sounds like a direct-to-video, like, That's Riddle and Ray thing. What is that, Moon and Scorpio or whatever that movie is you mean? Oh, yeah, I've seen um, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, this one was called That Secret Sunday, and it starred James Ferentino. Oh. Ooh, and Parker Stevenson. Why have I not seen this? What? And William Lucking, Michael Lerner. Oh, my God. Charles Frank. I've seen, uh, I don't recognize any of the other names. Wow, this sounds good. How have I never even heard of The Secret Sunday? You know, I do have Parker Stevenson's phone number. Should I give him a call and ask him about it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe I will. Yeah, perfect. Maybe I will. Okay, so that was our movie game. That one was extra fun. I like that last part. Yeah. So we'll yeah. probably include that on our next uh, time we play the game. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoy it. If you have your own idea of what these movies should be based on the title, why don't you send something into us? I'd love to hear them. I think we used to have uh, some response to that. We also got some great artwork from our friend Shannon, who actually made, like, TV guide ads for mm. us. Oh, yes. Yeah, those were brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm yes. not trying to pressure people into doing things like that but it's really fun when people kind of play along with us so feel free to to um participate in any way that you can you can contact us at um what is our email again dan it is tv mayhem mayhem podcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at tv mayhem podcast you can also look for us on Instagram at Made for TV Mayhem, and you can look for us on Facebook just under the Made for TV Mayhem show. So thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully when we get back, it'll be Shannon Doherty, and if it's not Shannon Doherty, it'll be something else really fun. And we hope you guys enjoyed it, and stay safe and healthy, everybody. Yes. 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 Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. One week from tonight, she was a small-town girl on her way up in the big city until they killed her boyfriend and framed her. But she came back, beating them at their own game. And doing it with Sizzle. Lonnie Anderson, the girl with Sizzle.